Someone's just calling me, I'm sorry. Right. So sorry, I have to take this. Dudes are on the line. It's a personal call from Bill. <laughs> you know well, that's my hand. What? That's your hand on Doozers yeah. for Elvate. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't know that. When it went, because it was. That's so funny. When it went from standard def to uh, HD, we had to redo it. Yeah. So I just did it out here in the parking lot. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> All of that fun fact before we even started, but ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the drop. This is the Lasso VFX episode, and I am joined today by post supervisor Brooke Davis, head of VFX for Digital Film Tree, Dylan Shadinsky, our VFX producer from Barnstorm, Rodney Montague, and DFT's VFX editor, Joshua Pathley. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for having us. Thank you for having I us. I mean, you know, thanks for having <laughs> me. <laughs> so I'm really grateful that you did come out because everybody knows 209 is barreling down on the VFX team. Uh, I was like, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Kip. Thank you, Jason, for letting me steal these folks to kind of document the wonder that is going into this season of the show. By this point, you have been stunned by the stop motion main title on 204, the Christmas episode. You have met Bumpkin in 201, the animated goalie. And you are seeing a lot of things that you did not know were VFX. So the biggest feedback that we got from the South by Southwest panel was, wait, so the, did I really film in Selhurst? Did I actually get on the pitch? And we cut in a lot of the great deck that Barnstorm had done at the end of season one and the previs that you met Caitlin Hollenbach, who is the other post super, the two of them, the team that is Caitlin and Brooke, the mega mega season that season two of Ted Lasso is requires two post supers. And so we're gonna unpack some of that today, but I wanted to kind of kick off again with really understanding each of the roles that you guys play because they're so different, but the collaboration that has to come together. When I look at all of these VFX shots, I see letters and numbers and that's about it. And it is overwhelming. So the organization, the talent, both creative and technical that you guys display is shocking and jaw dropping to me. And I'm so glad that I do what I do and you guys do what you do. But Brooke, can you kind of kick us off with the journey of a shot, like where it starts mm -hmm. and then how it gets put through the machine that is VFX? I guess we could talk more about the bigger shots, soccer shots, some of those. So DFT does a lot of our previs all of our previs, honestly, and it helps dictate how we're going to shoot the shot, first of all. Uh, they're shooting on green, uh, an open pitch. I think it's just a training facility, I believe, and it's all green screened walls. Um, after they shoot, it comes into us. Our VFX editor will pull this shot. We're just talking about a single one here. And we're talking about Frank Openkowski. Yes. One camera shy Herculean master of the VFX editing chair. Yes. We'll get you one day, Frank. Yes. We'll get you one day. He actually is an unsung hero on the show because it's this season two has become so massive. I did not work on season one, but I know that soccer was not as big as it is in season two. And so it's been a real <laughs> uh, task and monumental task for Frank to get the VFX shots ready and pulled and um, prepped. So after that, then he sends it over to DFT so that they can 
pull all of our shots and send that over to Barnstorm. And then our hands kind of go off of it for technical until creative starts to work on it. So That's where I, I it might hands throw off it off. I know. To Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Dylan, what happens when we get the mega downloads? When we get the mega downloads, uh, the first thing we have to do is figure out how to execute all the work that we're given, uh, which is probably my first job is to figure out what we need and who we need to get everything done. Um, figure out the best way to approach each scene. Usually we have a, a set of shots that can go to particular artists that are, are good at different things. Um, and, and, you know, I have to figure out how to parcel out that, that uh, distribution of work. Can I interrupt you for one yeah. quick second? So are we involved with any of the filming outside of Previs? Um, do we have, or Barnstorm has someone on set at all for the, the post-supervision? We, the specifically DFT, we were involved um, before the season actually started shooting uh, because a lot of the office scenes now are blue screen because they're no longer on location at the practice pitch. So we were involved in setting up that set and that stage and, you know, picking what color blue to use and, and, and things like that. Um, but they have an on-set supervisor in the UK that actually takes care of that. So last season, when we're looking out Rebecca's windows, was there actually something on the other side and this season it's blue? Correct. That's correct. Yeah. But yeah, so then, then we basically uh, start work. Uh, Start sending versions as fast as we can to get, <laughs> to get feedback. I turn around, sorry. Yeah, um, it's all good. And, uh, and then we'll get feedback, execute that, uh, and hopefully by the time it gets to color, it's starting to, to look good. Rodney, would you give us kind of same sequence of how you get the shot from Lasso on through to its delivery back? Well, we generally get a a compilation movie of all of the shots that are in a single episode, along with a list that is provided by Brooke and Caitlin and Frank. God bless Frank. We want to sing your praises, Frank. <laughs> We're trying. So once, once I get that, that movie, it's a quick time movie, I put it on my computer and I'm just going to go through it and figure out, okay, what needs to happen here? I give that to my... Um, compositing supervisor, Bill Parker, my CG supervisor, Casey Bloom. Between us, we'll go through and we'll say, okay, this shot, almost every shot, as you said, is in the, in every soccer playing shot is shot on a practice field. There are no crowds, there are no stands, or they all need to be replaced. So first we have to determine, based on the angle and how far wide we are, close we are, we have one of three different ways we can uh, create crowds. We'll either replicate crowds that, we, that have been shot either on location or in our stage, or we will do what's called sprite crowds, which is we'll take individuals that are shot on a green screen that are then projected onto CG cards and composited in 3D space. Or we can do uh, completely CG crowds, that, that is, they are built as CG models um, and distributed through a crowd system similar to Massive that they use on Lord of the Rings, now called Golem. And between those three 
ideas, we figure out which crowd is going to be best. Then Casey and her crew put the actual uh, stadium, whichever stadium, mostly Selhurst, although we have a couple others coming up in this season. Wembley! <laughs> so then I've got to, to, to determine how many artist hours is it going to take to do each of these shots in whatever uh, workflow we've decided is going to be right for each of the shots. And throughout, just to throw you a couple of numbers, throughout this entire season, we will have worked on about 600 shots, almost all of which are stadium and crowd replications, um, about 12,000 artist hours. So we, we personally at our shop, between our shop, uh, Barnstorm in Burbank and Barnstorm in Vancouver, we have about 30 artists dedicated to this show. Wow. Mr. Peffley. Hi. What are... <laughs> how are you? Good, how are you? Great. That's so good. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled that you're here. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you had a chance to have to send an awkward note back yet to anybody in a QC related to... to like internally or like mistakenly <laughs> to like bro? <laughs> there. I feel like you're referencing one shot. But do you have? Do, I, do you have? You did turn a little red, Mr. Puffle. It, it's happened. I mean, <laughs> and I'm sure they're aware. Like we're constantly working on multiple episodes at the same time. So you know, Friday hits, and it's like, well, kind of some shots from every single episode happens. So you know, sometimes it's like, oh, a preview package gets sent to the finals, <laughs> stuff like that. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely just, um, it's constantly, because you're working on like 200 different shots at the same time, it's constantly like, not only QCing the work being done, but QCing your own work and making sure everyone's getting the, the right things that they need. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's definitely a juggle. So Dylan was touching base with, you know, there's a turnover where there's uh, an MOV and just a list of all this work. And so I'm kind of like the recipient of, of that. And so I, we have already agreed upon uh, specs uh, in a spec sheet and um, we just uh, intake it and then uh, deliver it back to our VFX artists, depending on, uh, who Dylan assigns like the work to, um, they then deliver the shots, and then we Q QC it on our end, and then um, after that, it's turned over to Brooke. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's like a middleman between the artist and uh, post supervisors. Give me a little bit about what you're looking for, and also how many shots you're looking at. You mean in like QC process? Yeah. It's. It, it, it depends on the show. Uh, it can be over 100, maybe less, depending on which. Um, VFX can be very subtle, um, and that's like the, the greatness of like VFX is if uh, we did our job right, you won't see it. Uh, so um, there's always, in blue screen specifically, there's sometimes slips in uh, the edges of screens and stuff. And so we're always watching down to see if like the background is moving at all, if it, uh, if it like expands into the shot, uh, some undesirable like things that need to be fixed. Yeah, it's, it's constantly checking so that, you know, down the line, it doesn't get 
uh, pushed back to us. So it's, it's definitely VFX is always a back and forth between um, the supervisor and DFT. One of the things that I really love about Lasso is that every penny is on the screen. Start warming up. Let's go. Gentlemen, follow me. And here comes Roy Kent. A surprising move from Lasso. Manchester City's speed is causing Richmond problems. And he brings on Roy Kent, who is, to be polite, very slow. That's because he's a fucking octogenarian. Look at him. City with a real opportunity here. Schaffenberg into the box. Oh, it's a penalty. Like, you see it, it, it not just in this season. You certainly saw it in last season, but this season they went big and you heard me shout Wembley a little bit ago um, when I say that it is on the screen it is really on the screen because most people do not know until they watch things like this and as Bill yelled at me in the South by Southwest panel I've ruined it for everybody but um, that is quite a testament to this team that people really could not believe that you got that much time on Selhurst. take me through that what kind of I mean Maybe I could phrase it a little bit differently, but the truth of the matter is, what kind of pressure is that? These are shrines. These are places that people are intimately familiar with, and you got them. If I could just say a funny note for 208 at Wembley, the DP said that they could only shoot on the field. They had to know the exact number of people that would be standing on the field and for how long that would be. I believe they had a limit of maybe like five minutes total to shoot everything on that field because the the field is so precious. Like you said, these are shrines. So I we've already seen some uh, shots coming together for 208 and they're doing an amazing job and what Barnstorm can do is incredible. But yeah, so imagine we're shooting five minutes there and they're basically rebuilding an entire soccer game there. So. And I think Caitlin mentioned in the previous episode that then they like covered the the pitch in garlic. Garlic, yeah. She mentioned that such an odd, <laughs> like coming out of the sprinklers or something. I don't, I don't know exactly, but it's amazing. But I mean, you know, for both DFT and Barnstorm, does that live in your head at all? That like this is what people are going to be eyeballing now? Because I think, especially season two, they're hip to the fact that they, a lot of this was built in VFX, but now you're introducing Wembley on top of it all. So I'm, I'm familiar with uh, the stadiums in, in England, and we know that Selhurst is what we call Nelson Road. It's, you know, for the fictitious team that uh, is Richmond. Um, but people know what Selhurst is. People know what, uh, definitely know what Wembley looks like. Um, we have London Stadium coming up that we're not going to have to build, as what I understand now. But we, we painstakingly go through and match very very carefully and some of the stuff we, we have to you have to fake it yeah just because you've got an eye line and somebody's looking one direction it's like wait a minute the gameplay was going the other way so we have to turn the stadium around 360 degrees to make this eye line match even though that's not the direction the play would be going in that act in that exact moment but um no we're, we're well aware that these that these are you know, shrines or very, very, uh, even a spiritual place to, to many people. Yeah. 
Well, in, in our side of things too, I mean, literally, like you said, Brooke, this is on a training pitch. And so all of the screens around the entirety of it, we're working on a lot of that then too, making sure that the character's running, et cetera. How, how do you guys handle all of that? And especially too, with the camera angles. Most, most of what we do, um, as far as like the pitch, the pitch is concerned, is gonna take place from within the office. Um, and what we've done to handle the different camera angles for that is uh, the, the VFX supervisor in the UK went and shot um, an array of photos, basically, of the practice pitch, where every, every foot or so, he would rotate the camera, get hundreds of photos to uh, assemble basically a 360 well, a 180 view of the pitch. We, we don't need the view of the building itself because you can't see that out of a window. Yeah. Um, so basically they, they shot that array uh, a few times uh, to get different times of day and different weather. Um, and then we use a software called PT GUI that basically assembles that into uh, a very distorted looking um, single image that is kind of like a panorama, like times five. Uh, and then we bring that into Nuke and spherize it, um, and then basically orient it depending on what camera angle we need to achieve. And then, you know, it can be animated should the camera move. Uh, most of the time we're in pretty, pretty stable situations. So it's just a matter of, of orienting that plate to what we need to see out the window. Is Lasso all nuke for us now, or are we still also doing After Effects? We're whatever tool we need to get the job done. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I, uh, and I know, Brooke, you joined this season, but I have to imagine you've heard the stories from season one as well. Would love to know from everybody's perspective kind of what the major differences have been between season one and season two. I mean, obviously, they went hard <laughs> this year. They went quite a bit bigger. But are there any new challenges or? And this is coming from someone that joined. I came on maybe around episode 203 just because they realized, I mean, these episodes are going to be massive. Yeah. Caitlin needs, Caitlin's point post super and I help her in any way that I can. And again, just from what I've heard and what I've seen of season one, it's turned into a massive soccer oriented show this season. It doesn't take anything away from the writing. It's still spectacular. The comedy's all still there. The relationships, but they're incorporating so much more soccer into it to feed into those uh, emotions and the game itself. And um, it's incorporated into character development too and Nate, etc. Yeah. And I've heard a, a so. pretty significant, um, I don't know if you would call it a promise or a threat, but season three is even more on the pitch, so. <laughs> Both. <laughs> yeah. Biggest differences between season one and season two? Uh, well, obviously the workload is probably 10 times as much. Um, there's a lot more ambition um, in season two. Uh, I think probably the most complicated thing we did last year was a karaoke sequence where there were no TVs in the karaoke bar and we had to actually add those wow. um, from scratch instead of just like burning in the content. I think last year was more about 
Um, obviously, besides the stadium stuff that Barnstorm did, for us it was more about uh, a lot of cleanup and, and you know, getting rid of boom mics and reflections in Ted sunglasses, which we still do all that. There's always going to be reflections in sunglasses, but... Um, and watching the playbacks on screen. <gasps> yeah. Oh, and I love the one where Isaac throws something at Jamie Tart on screen. Yeah, I, I think I think this year we're we're more involved in some of the more creative effects and some of the the, the bigger um, set extensions and establishing shots and stuff like that. So it's it's fun. And I'll ask. I mean, I don't think you guys had nearly as many phone comms. No. Which is going to be a huge factor. Yeah. I mean. How is that a thing? There's so much. There's so much happening on the phones. In this this season, season, at least, yes. Yeah. So, oh, less last season. I believe so, right? Yeah. No, it was. It was more of a, a standard amount of, mm -hmm. of comps, I'd say, for any given show. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of uh, plot developing on on the that iPhone this year. So that's been a huge factor because they're introducing an app, and it plays um, as like a vehicle for different relationships to develop in the episodes and through the season. Oh, and so, I do love that moment of tenseness where you're like, oh, is it, oh, oh it's, oh. Yeah. Right, so yes, as far as I understand, phone comps have become a mass, and it's been a big struggle for us too, on our end, because they are really trying to hone in the app as itself, uh, the producers, Jason, Bill, and everyone. It's another little piece that comes in and plays a part and plays a role in the episode. So they're trying to make it as great as they can. And, you know, thank you to you guys. You, you help build new graphics for us X amount of time so that we can get it back to producers to review and give their notes. And we constantly have to change it. And then not even, I mean, build your graphic, but then they have to go in and comp it. And we need to make it match Apple user interface standards and how it would be and a lot of times it's not shot that way so what you guys do to remove fingers or make them send a word that they didn't type you know so they're doing a lot in there on yeah. one little shot that's just a phone comp well how about the broadcasting sets any vfx on there uh yeah actually um they were the broadcasting sets were all shot um with covid protocols so every single person on that set has a COVID screen between them in real life uh, that all needed removed. Um, and then every once in a while, there's just kind of rearranging where people are. Uh, but yeah. the, the COVID screens were, I think, the bigger effect there. Wow. Also to segue into shooting during COVID and then how that plays into post. I can't tell you the number of shots we've had to paint out masks in people's hands cast just had it they didn't put it away or some were actually wearing masks in the shot so they're having to rebuild a face or a mouth on uh you know background or guest cast um so again just adding to the vfx workload that you guys do that's a, a good segue into what the stadium situation was like because when i was watching dailies i remember seeing like masks off or hearing that and then people having to take their masks off in building the crowds, how did that work? Like, did you ever replicate anything that was filmed or was there, again, pedestrian questions. <laughs> how did that impact the crowd work that was done? We did and continue to do some, some crowd replication work. 
it looks to me like they were shot maybe last year before COVID. So those are the crowds we're using, no masks. The crowds that we've needed to shoot, we can shoot individually on a green screen so you can separate people far enough away that they don't wear masks. Wait, can I ask really quick, so are you saying that like individuals in the chairs, you're shooting one at a time to then drop into the yeah. seats? Yes. Like I said, I like being the pedestrian here because I'm not embarrassed. I don't know. This is why I run operations. I don't do <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it happens. It happens several different ways. Sometimes we'll get plates like uh, from Wembley. We got a plates with scattered crowd throughout the, the real stadium, which we were not expecting. <laughs> so um, that becomes drifting away from your original question, but that, that became a, a more difficult thing to deal with because I had you know, Jason Sudeikis and the other actors sitting in the real stadium, so I have to use that. But then I'm going to try to fill in the rest of the crowd that only has a sparse number of extras. And I don't have a model of Wembley. We didn't have one. They didn't do um, LiDAR, which would be the, the normal way to do that, so you have a complete scan. So we had to build Wembley very quickly, and at least a proxy of it, so that we can put our, our crowds into that. And those crowds, the way they were shot, I didn't see masks on, on people in those. I don't know how they did it. Lots of testing, um, limited amount of time that you're next to each other, all of the COVID protocols that are different in the UK, but very similar, I think, to here. So. Yeah. We, we worked on a, a different uh, show where it was an auditorium that needed to be full of people for like an award show. And for that, we could put about 20 people together. Uh, so we would just shoot plates with chunks of 20 people arranged in different uh, arrangements and then just populate the seats with those. How do I phrase this? Uh, Ted Lasso is a comedy. And I put that in air quotes because We'll see as the season goes on, and we had plenty of examples of it in season one, where this is about pathos. It does a lot of emoting for a comedy, but tis the Bill Lawrence way. Anybody who's ever watched Scrubs knows that. But um, we also have, uh, you know what I think maybe we can just say, show like Dave, where VFX is a big part of the comedy. Um, for us, is any of that present on Lasso? Are there any kind of comps that like, make their way in to help better land a joke or anything of that nature? I think the biggest tool for that is split screens. Um, you know, if timing is off and it doesn't land, you know, our editor and then our VFX will, our editor will do a temp split screen just to get the cut together to where we want and the timing and then they clean it up and make it better. But I think split screens are a huge tool, fluid morphs to help get that timing, land the joke or, you know, give breath to an emotion that they want to feel. I like so. that Dylan's like already laughing inside. Someone give how many? Oh no, fluid done. morphs are just my favorite thing. To work I'm sure. On. I know. <laughs> I think we had 20 revisions on one fluid morph. <laughs> we wanted. To. Frank likes fluid morphs. morphs. Yeah. 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 All sarcasm. What you gonna do? <laughs> In case it wasn't red. But from our point of view, they're in 201. They unfortunate thing that happens to the Greyhound <laughs> that is a huge yeah. plot point in in Danny Rojas's character arc I mean that's and that's all visual effects right to to create that the dog is real 
the no pigeon, animals were harmed. No, arm, <laughs> no animals were harmed. Uh, we cut away before anything looks like it's right. even harmed. The pigeon, we shot green screen. Oh, now, yeah, that very, was cool. That was yeah. kind of cool. Very often you would do that as a CG bird, and we just looked at that and saw that, A, the time frame we had to complete it in, and B, what, that, what the pigeon had to do, um, based on Frank's temp comp, that we, he had to be <laughs> flapping his wings, wings, shot at a thousand frames a second so that we could get just the right action to get the ball, the dog, the bird, the goalkeeper, everything happening at the right time to make a dramatic point yeah. and a comedic point, mm -hmm. which, it, which it does very nicely. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very specific example I forgot about. No, I mean, that was that was kind of what I was going for because, yeah. you know, again, we did the animation and there were a lot of calls about if we were going to do it on ones or twos to give space for what needed to then happen in VFX because you have, you know, you have this, the dog, the way that it's moving, but prior to that, we're trying to tie it back to the actual live sequence that had happened. And, mm -hmm. and anyway, it was once I finally saw it all come together, but then you guys also, um, please, you would be more eloquent on this, but like creating the shadows and the outlines and the grass under his feet, you know, we provided the animation, but it was up to you guys to do all the texture on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got some really good compositors. <laughs> I mean, that's Lawson Demings, our visual effects supervisor and the owner of Barnstorm. And he supervised that green screen shoot, supervised our compositing of the animation that Bill Parker, our compositing supervisor, put together, put together all the layers and, and outlines and shadows and everything that, that just makes it look real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and... Um I, I kind of want to make this segue then into challenging shots this season. Anything that, I mean, I'm sure there's a bevy, but I would love to hear from you guys what sticks out most. And, you know, to be fair, we are four episodes in and each episode has already talked quite a bit about 209. So yeah, I, I was just going to jump right to 209. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we're doing a stylized main title. Beard is leaving a stadium and it's all on, it's not even on green screen, it's on, what did? Gray screen. Gray screen, which is always fun. Um, so yeah, Barnstorm is rebuilding uh, a tube stop and there's a lot going on there. I feel like I just gave a very broad overview of the shot, but yeah, I mean, without diving too deep into it. Yeah, and I think even Mel and Frankie in, in our inaugural Lasso episode, same thing, they painted broad strokes, but Mel even put it really well that like 201 was their love letter to the fans, 203 was their love letter to Sam Obinsanya. You guys will see in 209, this is really truly an art piece. And, and that's how they labeled it. Like this was their love letter to Beard, but overall it's an art piece. This is, you know, you're crafting something that took a lot of intention to get right while filming but with the understanding that the dependence was gonna fall on post, so. The whole episode is a beast. I mean, just comping in uh, skylines out a window. I, what do we have? Maybe like 50, eight, maybe 80 shots there. I think there's about 50 for each window. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. Um, and that's just one scene. And then the even bigger of rebuilds of 
you know, tube stops and main title styles. It's it's a big episode, but like you said, to call it an art piece would be accurate because there is so much visual creativity going into it that they couldn't shoot that we have to build. Yeah, well, there's even not a scene with um, not a tunnel. I don't know what you'd call it, but where uh, Beard, his phone has died in that tunnel. Uh, let's just call it a tunnel. But I went back to look at the VFX because I, I looked through the shots and what wound up in the locked cut looks so wholly different from what I saw the VFX in. I didn't, I mean, it looks like broad daylight in that tunnel and then, nope, it's dark as night once we come back. So, I mean, for you guys, and I, I would imagine that there's quite a division of labor to tackle 209. What have been some of the bigger challenges for you guys? I know that Lawson is designing the title that's that's going to be extruding out of the subway seat cushion. Um, and we're doing a, a gag where Beard is sitting in, they're just kind of slumped in natural motion at 24 frames a second, if you will, while the background is going at 200 frames a second of people going on, coming on, getting off, coming on, getting off, going to different tube stations and all of this going, around, going on around Beard while he's just sitting there and the titles are fading up and out. I'm not quite sure how we're gonna do all of it, but <laughs> we will figure it out. It's still a work in progress. Yes, it, that's, the, that's the fun kind of thing. So we do, we do the crowds all day long. We know how to do those now. They're almost, you know, it's a cookie, cookie cutter thing, even though they're all individual. But this one's a real challenge. So, you know, we embrace that and go, yeah, this is, this is awesome. We're gonna dive in, gonna do a whole lot of rotoscoping of every one of those people who are coming in and off of the train, separate them from, we're, we're building five different tube stations um, that they're going to stop at that we'll see only a few frames of, you know, it's all very brief, but subliminally, we want it all to come together to feed the emotion of what Beard is feeling. That's the whole point of this. And, and that's what's wonderful about visual effects is occasionally you get the opportunity to do something that really is going to communicate with the audience what is intended by the writers. That's actually, that, that's a whole other question that I had in here, but that cracked open a few things. Because one, I did want to ask you guys about how often you feel like you get to be a part of that, building that emotion. Um, because I talked to our VFX art, artists here and you know, a lot of the story doesn't come through because you're doing it bit by bit, piecemeal by piecemeal. So you don't even necessarily feel like an episode or a season is ruined because you barely understand the context with which they're they're coming in. But that's that's really remarkable to especially on an episode like this where it is an art piece that you get to do that. I really have to give it to Jason that he thinks about every second of the episode that you're watching and every piece of it has an intention and he likes to have fun with it as well 204 main title it's very it, that whole episode is just fun and feel good i always wanted to to work on something that looked like rankin and bass so that was fun how often do you guys feel like you get to be a part of of that emotion that comes out on the screen because again ted lasso is probably the best example we have since Scrubs of being able to achieve that on screen. Um, you know, I mean, of course, NCIS LA has very dramatic moments, um, but for us, I don't know that we necessarily touch that, but 
here. I, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Scrubs because I would say that's, I would, I would definitely say that is the show that we most contributed in, in that manner. Um, and, you know, a lot of the fantasy sequence and the jokes and, and it, all of that was purely VFX and, you know, very fun VFX at that. Um, but that, I, that was a show where the, the visual effects actually drove the story and drove the emotion to a level that, you know, a lot of more grounded shows don't necessarily get the opportunity to do. Interestingly, on all of this show, we are visual effects. We're a part of the drama because the, a, a soccer game, a football game, is a drama in itself. So we have to be able to follow along the drama of what's happening on the field and match what the background people do. Do they stand up? Are they clapping? Are they cheering? Are they pissed off? You know, and match up that emotion while also understanding the underlying emotion of the individual players on the field and what they're doing. So matching the emotion of the background players that we're putting in to the intent of the writers and, and producers um, really is, is in every shot that we do. So that's, that's, that's very cool for me in this show specifically. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of shows that are you know, big explosions and flying cars and silly stuff, but this show is all about emotion, like every frame of it is. So that's, that's a joy. What was maybe the biggest surprise or takeaway from season one? For me, at least, the biggest surprise really was how much people never would have guessed the, the amount of VFX in this show. Um, and, you know, grateful that I've gotten to see so many of the episodes and I know what's coming and I have a feeling of what, what people are going to take away from season two, but where are you guys with kind of this space between and your takeaways from one going into two? I think for me, um, I think when you're, when you're doing the technical work of VFX, you kind of get tunnel vision on, you know, the individual tasks that you're executing more so than uh, you know this this what this overall thing really is, and like when when I do come out of the tunnel, it's it's quite surprising to find out what a phenomenon the show is. Like I can't watch a sports event without somebody referencing Ted Lasso. I can't listen to NPR without. Uh, a segment about positivity and coaching. Like it's really, it's really become a, a cultural uh, phenomena, and 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 you don't you don't realize it when you're when you're working on it. It's it's been a lot. It's been a lot of organization. It's been a lot of communication. It's been just really trying to hone in on the creative of it and not lose that because there are so many shots that you know, one slips through the cracks or just leave it because we don't have time to fix it. Like we really take the time and go through, even if it's in overtime, we have to get it done because the creative is so important to the producers and we need to meet that. So it's, um, it's been a lot of work. <laughs> As of late is when all the Emmy nominations came in and the season one has just blown up enormously and to see, like I said, because I came in and this post team was already such a family prior to me coming in. And to see them all so happy and 
congratulatory to each other. It's really cool to be a part of it, even if I'm not a part of that season. Um, the entire team, from post to production to producers, everyone works so well together and they work so hard to get the job done. And, you know, there's times when they're up till one or two, three in the morning trying to get stuff done, but they all know that it's been such a joy for their audience to watch that they love doing it and working on it. So that's been really cool to see. Wow, I just find myself thrown into something that is zeitgeist. This has captured the emotions and the energy of everybody. And anybody who finds out I'm working on this, and I'm, they're just like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing ever. Um, even my kids. <laughs> You know, so um, it's it's a very uh, it's that that's very satisfying. Sure, it is. I'm um, very happy to be here. I I just think um, you know I I'm fairly young and you know just starting in, in the industry. It's kind of uh, it's a really weird thing going on where it's it doesn't sink in that I'm even like working in Hollywood, let it, let alone like working on a show like Ted Lasso, and so. It, it, it definitely is like that tunnel vision of like, oh, just, you know, you're meeting deadlines and you're doing work. And I think like when you take a step back and realize like what Ted Lasso is becoming and just like just entertainment and that we're all like little pieces of a cog, but like everyone is just like ready to eat it all up. It's uh, it's cool. It's a it's definitely a very unique industry to be even working in. I call that hand to the plow. Yeah. Just head down, hand to the plow, get the job done. And um, this moment in particular has kind of felt like everyone collectively looked up, you know, and um, say what you will about awards and what they mean or don't mean. But I think that's, in that respect, at least a healthy reminder that, yeah, look up sometimes and see the impact that um, a show like this can have on anybody. You know, uh, and we do an internal newsletter here at DFT, and I want to try and get that out before the show comes out tonight, mostly just because it really is a thing to hear from people who were impacted by something that you helped put into the world. And it's an easy thing to maybe take for granted after X amount of years in this industry and thinking about the things that maybe you worked on that didn't necessarily have an impact on the world, but. It's moments like these where, um, you know, I've been in this industry for 25 years now. I don't mind mentioning that it was very awkward hiring Mr. Peffley because he was born the year I graduated high school. <laughs> that was the first time I was like, oh, you're Shoot. that age now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but it's quite a thing, and I don't know that I, and I've gotten to do a lot of really cool things, but this is the first time that I think I've been a part of something that I will be proud of for the rest of my life. Very with cool. that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on The Drop. Withstanding the heat, I hope it wasn't too killer. We got you no. out here before noon. And this we will great. see you guys next time on The Drop. Have a good one.